morning, everyone. It's time for us to begin this morning. We want to welcome everyone to the services here at West Irwin this morning. We'd like to say if you're visiting with us, we're glad that, uh, glad that you're here. Let's all stand on the first song this morning. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna. Good morning. We are glad 
that you are here. And those of you who are online, thank you for joining us. You know, many uh, years ago, my two daughters uh, convinced me that I should get on this ride, this roller coaster ride with them. And, um, you know, it starts out slow and then it gets faster and faster. Then it went into this black hole. I'm not sure if they were screaming the loudest or I was, but we were in this black hole. Finally, I saw light at the end of the tunnel. It was almost over. When the uh, ride ended, they say, you want to do it again? <laughs> no. no. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of the last 18 months that we've uh, gone through. It's been a long time since we have been normal. Today we are beginning a, a new chapter, so welcome home. We are calling this the Welcome Home Sunday. We are sitting this day as a day we begin a journey back from a, from a difficult, stressful time with a worldwide disease that has brought much pain and heartache. The journey is not over. But our resolve is the same, that this church continue to be an active, living body with the mission to preach the gospel to the lost and make disciples of those who believe until Jesus returns in victory. And along the way, we plan to help those in need, especially those in the household of faith. We ask God to grant us wisdom in that strength of that mission. We also have a welcome home for today. We have a new married couple, Tucker and Elizabeth Sullivan. Come on now, y'all got to stand for we can offer, give you applause. They're back. They're back and we're glad. Yes, thank you. They're married. All right. Glad you're here. Here. So because of this welcome home and to celebrate this, uh, I have, uh, I, I guess I hadn't mentioned it to Bill, but Bill's going to buy lunch today for all of us. So it's going to be fun. Soon as uh, his service is over, we want you to go to, across the street to the Family Life Center, and uh, it's a welcome home reunion at the Family Life Center. Another event we are looking forward to is... Defending the Truth with Kyle Butts. We have a uh, short film clip that we want you to see. And what about creationism versus evolution? Maybe those are... <laughs> Maybe we don't. <laughs> Can we know for sure that God exists? And where do dinosaurs fit in the Bible? And what about creation versus evolution. Maybe those are some of the questions that you've had as you have looked at the He sounds as nervous as I am. <laughs> so anyway, what he was going to tell you is why is truth eroding in our society? What about the cultural wars that are going on? Why are morals decaying in our world? And a key question that I want to ask him is, why did Noah put rats, roaches, and fire ants on the ark? I don't, I don't get it. But uh, there are brochures in the back that look like this. We want you to take some of them. We want you to give them to your family, 
and your friends and invite them. Oh yeah, Bill's buying us lunch again. So this is going to be great. This is going to be a great uh, event. I think it's going to answer a lot of questions for all of us. But maybe more so for the younger people and with children and what is going on in our world today. I think all of us need maybe some answers and maybe some reinforcement on what, uh, on what we believe. Also, on October the 3rd, that's Sunday night, we will begin our events on Sunday night. On October the 3rd, we will have a fellowship with our Hispanic congregation, Iglesia de Cristo. It will also be their first Sunday night back, so we're meeting together to celebrate and uh, have a meal together and begin our Sunday nights on October the 3rd. And that Wednesday following that, we will start our Wednesday night meals. They will start from 5 o'clock and go through 6.15. We're doing a little bit different this uh, time in, in that we're going to bring food trucks. So you get the food trucks and then you can go inside and socialize with your friends. Uh, we've got these food trucks lined up for a couple of months. And so um, we'll get your feedback after, after that and see if, uh, if that's a good way to go. What we want you to know is this church is alive and well. So let's give thanks to our God. Father, we come to give thanks and worship to the giver of life. We are so blessed in this life for we have the promise of eternity. We must... We must only trust and obey. We are thankful that, uh, that you loved us so much. That you sent your son Jesus to walk with men and provide the example of a living in an unperfect world. And then you allowed Jesus' blood to wash away our sins. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being our God and providing a light so we might we might navigate this difficult world we live. We are also thankful for this country and the freedoms we enjoy. We pray for those who keep us safe from our local police and first responders and to our servicemen and women that put themselves in harm's way to protect us from our way of life. We are also thankful for our security team who are vigilant to make sure that we are safe. For we know that evil, the evil one is active in trying to destroy our nation, corrupt our morals, and destroy our faith in you. So, Father, please protect us. Protect us and give us strength to defeat Satan and all of his followers. Father, it, it is our custom to pray for the needs of this church. You know those needs, but you tell us to bring them before your throne. So as a body of believers, we can focus on our families. Father, we, we, we pray for John and Savannah Stevens as they lost John's father. The Carter family as they lost Barbara. The James Fife family. And last night, Father, we learned that Rusty Lay's mother passed away. We also have these reported that are tested positive for COVID, the Chris Condor and Brian Brown and George Hill. We ask for them and we ask for Caitlin who has a broken foot. We also found out uh, in the last few days that David Miller, that's Pam Fennell's father, had passed away. We're asking for Kathy Culpepper's mother at UT who's having serious health concerns. We also pray for Steve Phillips, and that's Mike's brother, who's been hospitalized with a heart attack and is in very serious condition. And Father, we, we have so many more at this church that we want 
Do you remember Norma and Sue and Fred and Ralph and the list goes on and on, Father. We're just thankful that you know each one. We ask, we ask for healing and peace. And there are also others we are considering in our hearts, and we ask your mighty power to help in each one of those situations. It is so comforting to know. We brought our petitions to the great healer, our creator, and by our faith, we know you are in control of this situation. And you can see the future for the perfect result for everyone. Lord, we, uh, we do anticipate our unimaginable eternity. For by grace we are saved through faith and not of ourselves, but by the love of our Father, through Jesus our Savior. And we ask this prayer in his name. Amen. As we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning, let's sing how deep the Father's love. Ladies, start us out this morning. How deep the Father's love Last week, if you were here, 
Bill Pascal led the communion message, and he talked about some individuals in his life, Leonard Clemens, Paul Berry, and his father, Edwin Pascal. And he talked about how they were with this one minute, and the next they had passed away, just like that, without any warning. And he talked about how the response to God's invitation is the most important one we can make. It's one we have to get right. So I want to tell you about two fellows I worked with at one time. Bob Jones, James Daniel. James, we called him J.D. Bob lived in Georgia. J.D. lived in South Carolina. We all worked for the same company. They were part of the same district team. In March of 2010, they had a district meeting in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Now, if you're going to have a district meeting, Hilton Head's a pretty nice place to be. Anyway, this is how these meetings would go. You'd show up that morning, you'd have the meeting, about 4.30 or 5 o'clock, you would break, and then you'd meet, you know, a couple hours later for dinner, and in that two-hour period of time, people would, you know, exercise, rest, you know, it was their me time. Well, on March 16th, 2010, the news reported that the pilot of a single-engine plane had engine trouble, lost his propeller, the windshield was blocked because oil had leaked and the pilot couldn't see, and basically the plane had turned into a glider. The pilot made an emergency landing on the beach, and as he was doing so, he struck and killed a 38-year-old father of two who was jogging. The jogger was Bob Jones. He died instantly. Now, Bob was running the same direction that the plane was landing. He had ear pods in. So Bob couldn't hear the plane because it was a glider. The pilot couldn't see Bob because he couldn't see out of his windshield. A little while after the accident, I called J.D. just to check on him see how he was doing. And he told me that when it happened, he was sitting on the balcony, looking at the water, talking to his wife when he saw the plane land, but he couldn't see what happened because of the dunes. So he told his wife, he said, there's a plane that just landed on the beach. I got to go out there. So he runs out there and he sees his friend and colleague, Bob. Well, you can imagine the rest. You can imagine how he felt. You can imagine how the team felt. You can imagine how the pilot felt. J.D. went on to tell me, he said that impacted him so much that anyone he talked to, he basically gave the same message that Bill gave us last week, which was, you got to get this right. You got to get this. You got to get your life right. He did it so much that he got feedback from our company. They basically told him, you need to stop or else. And he chose the or else. Now, I'm here to tell you, I don't know that I could have done that because I'm thinking I needed my job, you know. And I'm like, why, why would we be afraid for that? But he went on to say that everyone he talked to, it was important to get your life right because you just don't know. Now, I went on to check on J.D. It's been years since I've talked to him. But I have to dare say he got a better job with a better company. The point is, is we're going to take this little wafer and this little bit of juice, and it's such a little thing, but it means so, so much. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we take, take, partake in this Lord's Supper and we partake of this bread, let it be mindful of your Son's body that died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. In your Son's name, amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we take partake of this cup, this juice, let's be mindful that it was for the shedding, that it represents the shedding of your son's blood. And it was that blood that washes away our sins. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
So at this time, we would traditionally pass out collection plates, but we can't do that now. But the contribution we give because we've been blessed. And we give because it supports this church and it supports the work of this church. And there are several ways to contribute. You can do it online. You can do it in the mail. There's um, little boxes in the back. You can drop a check in. The point is that this all goes to continue God's work here at West Irwin. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we, we know that we've been so richly blessed, and we know that it's because of you that we've been richly blessed, and we give back a portion of what you've given us to you to continue the work here. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing Blue Skies while our kids come up for kids' time today. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Tall mountains, green valleys, the beauty that surrounds me all make me aware of the one who made it all. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. How many of you have a home? Okay, a few that are just here, okay, but most everybody does. How many of you really love your home? Okay, tell me a few things about what you love about your home. What, what, what's one? You, oh, you love to watch videos. I think we're going to go down that track once again. What else? What? TV. Okay, yes, ma'am. You love watching videos in bed. Okay, good. How about you? Your pool, all right. I think we love your home all together. Being able to spend time with your family, that's good. Your bed, man after my own heart. How about you? And to your new house, I know that will be very special. What about you? What do you love about home? Your dog? Oh, yeah, that's good. Let's do one more. What do you want, sweetie? What do you love about your home? Is what? Drawing on your porch? On my board. Oh, drawing on your board. Oh, that's good. Well, there's a lot of things we love about our home, isn't it? Our family. We love our dog. We love to do things like watch TV and watch videos and draw and on your board and all of those kind of things. And that's a great, great thing. And you know, today we're talking a lot about home because we want everyone to feel at home here in our church. And I know that you all do, and you know a lot about this church, and you love this church, and I think that is wonderful. And this morning we're going to be talking about a father who had two sons that he loved very, very much. And that he really wanted them to come home. And, yes, and we love our, our family and we love our home. And you know, the song that we just sang says this, I know that Jesus is well and alive today and he makes his home in my heart. And what we want for each of you is to have Jesus in the home in your heart. And so I think that we should go back to our seats perhaps now. And if you want to go to our children's worship, you can do that as well while we sing that song one more time. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. 
Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. <laughs> Those Abel's kids, you can't take them anywhere. You can't take them anywhere. Before Bill's lesson to us this morning, let's all stand and sing Victory in Jesus. I heard all the story, how about our church family here is our kids and we love them and we love kids time and I try to make the questions open-ended so that the kids say whatever and do whatever and the reason I love that so much is because almost every Sunday none of my kids or grandkids are up here (laughs) so I have nothing to lose so Gary and Julie congrats on your grandkids that is such a great Uh, We love them so much, and uh, we love being together. We love being home. We love being home. And so today is our Welcome Home Sunday, and we want everyone to feel welcome today. Whether you're here in this wonderful assembly, if you're worshiping with us online today, we say to you the same thing, Welcome Home. And of course, it is a very special day for our church family because Tucker and Elizabeth Sullivan are here and we're so thankful for that and for all of their family and we are very very blessed uh, to have you as part of our home and that is such a wonderful wonderful thing we do have our dinner immediately following it's a catered dinner it's free for everyone and there's no uh there's no cost there's there's going to be lots of food and we want everyone uh to stay and to walk across Uh, to the Family Life Center, walk across West Irwin Street, and that's where uh, our dinner will be. And we're excited about that. We're excited about getting together with our uh, hermanos y hermanas at uh, Iglesia de Cristo. They mean so much to us and have for such a long time, and we miss them dearly. And Sunday night, October 3rd, is when we'll be able to uh, have a time of fellowship and meal Uh, together. I believe our arrangement is, is that our church family is going to provide some sandwiches and some other things. Their church family is providing tamales. (laughs) 
my vote was very high on that one. And, uh, and so we're really excited about spending some time uh, with them. Our wonderful Defending the Truth event is coming up. It's five weeks from this weekend, October 23rd and 24th. Uh, we have, as Galen shared, these wonderful brochures that are out on the table. There's a, a beautiful display table that Sharon and David Hammond have put together out there. And you'll find these uh, brochures in packets of five so that you can just grab a packet and then you can give some of those away. And if you need more than one packet, by all means, take them. We have printed up a thousand of these and we can print up more and we plan to print up more because we expect each other to be sharing these. We're sharing them with the area churches of Christ. We're sharing them with some of the area churches here in town, other churches as well. And that that circle is is very broad as we try to put the word out because this is gonna be a wonderful, wonderful event. It's going to answer some questions that we all have, that our kids and our grandkids have, that our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends have. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's going to be a a great step uh, in discussing and fighting that culture war that we have shared about today. I hope that you will be on our website and our app uh, and we'll be watching social media because we are going to be putting a lot out there Uh, coming up. And we expect a lot to be said about this wonderful event coming up uh, next month. There is uh, such a great blessing uh, to be a part of the West Irwin Church family. It's such a great blessing to call this our home. And one of the great things I'm teaching in the college young adult class right now, and every so often I I hear something that is just so perfect and so much in line uh, with today's lesson. And I heard that uh, this morning. Uh, One of our uh, wonderful uh, young college, uh, young adults, uh, Michaela Van Buskirk, shared a story that her father had told uh, her. And uh, it it fits so well with our uh, sermon today that I thought I would have to share it. Um, So why is it that um, pirates can't ever get through the whole alphabet? Because they get lost at sea. Mike Van Buskirk right there, let me tell you. Wonderful dad joke. Today we're talking about a little different kind of lost. Lost because you're away from home. And we want everyone to come back and we want everyone to know that when you come back, there is a welcome home for you. One of the results of the pandemic and its consequences of the last couple of years is simply this, the need for a home. I think we feel that perhaps more than we ever have because we've relied on each other, because we've needed each other, because we've missed each other. We recognize more today than ever the need for a home. God certainly recognizes that for us as well. We need each other. And I think we realize that need now more than ever. We're gonna be in Luke 15 today, just as we were last week. And last week, we looked at the first 10 verses of that passage where Jesus tells a couple of parables. Parable about a woman who had lost a coin and a parable about a shepherd who had lost a sheep. And even though she had other coins, even though he had other sheep, they did everything in their power to try to find what had been lost. They noticed what was lost. They made concrete, specific, deliberate efforts to find what was lost. And then they celebrated when it was found. Today, we're going to look at the next part of that great chapter in Luke 15, where Jesus tells one more parable. This parable and the Good Samaritan are probably the two most well-known parables that Jesus tells. This one, of course, is the parable of the prodigal son, except I believe it's the parable of the prodigal sons and the parable of the loving father. What this father wanted more than anything else is for his children to come Luke 15, beginning at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had, excuse me, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, verse 17, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he went up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the middle of verse 20 says, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son, just as he had rehearsed, said to his father, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But that's as far as he got in his speech. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Welcome home. Welcome home. I want us to look at these these stories within this story. As we look at these two brothers, and I, I want us to think about them perhaps in a little bit different way, but to apply them to us. Those of us who have come home to Jesus before, and perhaps those of us who have never come home to Jesus as our Lord. Perhaps to some who are back and who are back for the first time today, worshiping with us in person or worshiping with us online for the first time, and say a a strong, hearty welcome home. And then to those of us who have always been here, who have never left, and to those who perhaps are here for the first time. So first of all, those who are first time home, those who are first time home, and we'll be talking about the younger brother. And I get that the younger brother is, has been home before. I understand that. And he came back home. I understand that as well. But many times when we think of this parable and we think of this younger brother who went far, far away from his father, not just in distance, but in life and in values. And when he comes back home, he's really coming home for the very first time. That's his desire. And so this is a man I want us to see as being first time home. For many people, they've never known Christ. And maybe that's you today. For many people, they've never realized that they can have a home, a church home. And maybe that's you. 
What do we know about this younger brother? Well, he went far away, but his lifestyle and his morals and his values were far away as well. He had initially asked his father, why don't you go ahead and give me my share of the estate? So the father did. And before long, the son was gone. Just as I'm sure the older brother expected. And he was gone, but the whole time he was gone, the father was watching for him, yearning for him to come home. And when you're away from home, when you're away from the loving father, as is always the case, it goes good for a while and then not so much. And that's what this boy experienced. When the money ran out, so did his friends. So did his home. And so he took whatever job he could find, even though for a Jewish boy, this was, this was a, a horrible, horrible experience to be tending someone else's pigs. And yet he was so hungry and so desperate that that's what he did. Even being willing to share the pig's food with them. When he's at the bottom, when we're at the bottom, what do we think of? We think of home. We think of a father who loves us. And that's what this boy remembered. And so while he was there, he thought, you know, even the worst of my father's servants are treated better than this. I would give anything to be one of them. And so he plans that speech. He rehearses it in his mind. He probably says it the whole way there. And then he gets home and his father sees him. And as has been said many times in many sermons through the years, his father sees him, I believe, for one reason and one reason only, because he was watching for him. He was longing for him. I'm sure so many other times he had looked down that path imagining his son coming home. And when he sees his son, he runs to meet him. And the son starts his speech that he's memorized. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And the father doesn't hear a word he's saying. But he calls on those servants that this boy wanted to be one of. And he says, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring shoes. Kill the fattened calf that we've been saying for a great, great occasion because this is it. This is what we've been fattening up that calf for. Call in the musicians, call in everybody. Let's sing, let's dance, let's celebrate. Because this, my son, was dead and he's alive. He was lost and now is found. Now is home. If you're away from God and you've never known God, this story is for you. And no matter what has gone on in your life, no matter what far country you've been in, no matter how you've wasted your life, how you've spent your life, you can come home. And your loving heavenly father is watching down that path that is separating you from him, longing, longing, urging, imagining, dreaming of that time when you make that first step towards him. And I guarantee you, when you make that first step towards home, he will run to meet you. But what about those who have been home and now want to go back? I want to share in the story of the older brother, those who can come back home. You see, he kind of never left, but in a way, he he did. He did. His heart was obviously not right. Even though he was physically there, he was spiritually, emotionally somewhere else. And so the older brother is the one, I believe, who is called to come back home. He hears about the mercy and the grace and the compassion and the love that the father has shown, and he gets his feelings hurt. I know that never happens to any of us. (laughs) And he sits and he pouts. 
And the father runs to him. He goes out to him. He will not stand idly by while this son is also away from home. And he goes out to him and I can picture him saying, what, what in the world, what's going on? And he tells his very selfish, pathetic story. Hey, I've worked hard for you all along. Nobody has ever been more faithful to you than I have. Nobody has ever done more for you than I have. Nobody has ever sacrificed more for you than I have, especially this younger son of yours. And now after he's wasted everything, he comes back hat in hand begging and you throw a party for him. I don't get it. You never did that for me. And this loving father does what our loving father does and he comes to us and he has compassion on us. The father tells this older brother, look, I know, I know what you've done for me. I know that and I'm grateful and everything that I have is yours. And that's what our heavenly father tells us too. Everything I have is yours. All you have to do is what? Ask. Scripture says you do not have because you do not ask. The father says, I am right here for you. I am your father too. And just as surely as I went all out for your younger brother when he came home, I will go all out for you when you come home. When you come back home. And so if this is you and you were there and you were tight and then something went crazy and you lost your focus and you became selfish and you forgot to be grateful. You forgot about all the things that the father has given to you and your focus has only been on the things that you have done for your father. And if that's where you are, you are away from home and God is watching down the path and he's calling and he's urging and he's hoping and he's saying, come back home, come back home. And when you do, when you take that first step back toward him, he will run and he will welcome you home. For both, those who are coming home for the first time, those who are coming back home, the older brother, the younger brother, for both, there is a loving father waiting for them. Jesus, at the very beginning of this chapter, tells why he's telling these stories, because there were some who were away from home and they needed to come home. Some for the first time, some needed to come back home. We're reminded of those great passages of scripture in John 3 and in Romans 5 where scripture records for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In Romans 5 that the love of God that we sang about earlier goes so deep that he gave his son, he sacrificed his son's life. Jesus gave his life for us while we were still sinners. While we were away from home, he died for us so that he could welcome us home if we would come. The title of one of author Thomas Wolfe's most famous books affirms, you can't go home again. Well, I disagree. When it comes to your loving heavenly father and your church family for which Jesus died, you can always come home. Things may be different, Things will be different when you come home. They were different for Thomas Wolfe's George Weber. They were different for Thomas Wolfe himself as he writes somewhat autobiographically. But he ultimately found that though things were different, he could go home again. You can always come home. Things were different when the younger brother in Jesus' parable came home. Things were different when the older brother came home, if he came home. Jesus doesn't tell us that part of the story. 
And things were different for them because they were different. And things will be different for you when you come home. Things will be different for you when you come back home because you are different. But one thing was the same for both brothers. Waiting for them when they came home was a loving father who ran to meet them. And the same is true for us. There will be a loving father waiting for us to come home. And when we make a move toward him, he will run to meet us. When you make that first step towards your loving heavenly father, he will run to welcome you home. And so as we close today, we say this, welcome home. Welcome home. If today is the day you come home, here is what you will find. First of all, you will find a welcoming savior. Oh, victory in Jesus, my savior forever. If we can welcome you home today, you will find a welcoming savior. Secondly, you will find a welcoming church. Not a perfect church, not by any stretch. Not a sinless church, not by any stretch but a welcoming church. We want you to come home and we will welcome you home. And third, you will find a welcoming friend. I'm not sure who that will be, but you will find someone here who can be your friend. And what's more than that, you will be able to be that welcoming friend for someone who comes home. What can wash away my sin, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. If we can welcome you home today, come as we stand and sing our song together. What can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In a moment, we're going to sing our closing song, a verse of that, and then Tim Holt is going to lead us in our dismissal prayer, and Tim will bless uh, our food and will thank our gracious and, and loving and generous God for, for it and for how it's provided. And then we want you to all go out into the foyer and go uh, out and go to our Family Life Center and join us for lunch. It'll be a great lunch. It'll be a great time of fellowship. Following that lunch, we'll sing a couple songs together and have a prayer and uh, clean up, and then we'll be done for the day. On your way out in the foyer, pick up a couple of bundles of these. Read them yourself. Share them. People need to come. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampled out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lining of the
Father, thank you for this time that we've had to come together and to worship you. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings that you bless us with each and every day, much more than we deserve. Father, thank you for the fellowship that we're about to have across the street. Thank you for the food that we're about to eat. And thank you, Father, most of all for Jesus and for the sacrifice that he made for each of us. Father, I pray your blessings on the leaders of this church, the leaders of our country, that you will bless the sick of this church and comfort those who have lost loved ones. Father, be with us through this week and help us to live a life that's worthy of being called a Christian. Forgive us when we sin, and I pray for a home with you in heaven when we die. In Jesus' name, amen.